For AL.com, I'm Ben Flanagan. This is Outbreak Alabama, stories from a pandemic. He only wanted the best for not just for blacks, but for whites, brown skin, all of us. So I couldn't sit at home and watch it on television, which I was doing. Then something say, just go. And I had to be here today just to witness this. Today features a special episode of Outbreak Alabama with my colleague and AL.com reporter Sarah Weitz Kotacek, who was in Selma for the John Lewis Memorial, where his casket was carried across the Edmund Pettus Bridge before the Alabama-born congressman is laid to rest. The civil rights leader, who had served in the United States House of Representatives for Georgia's 5th Congressional District since 1987, died on July 17th. He was 80. In 1965, Lewis led the Selma to Montgomery marches across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, which resulted in an incident known as Bloody Sunday, as armed Alabama police attacked unarmed civil rights demonstrators, Lewis among them. On Sunday, Lewis's body was taken across the Edmund Pettus Bridge one final time, with crowds lining the streets of downtown Selma to honor the late congressman and civil rights activist. My colleague Sarah Weitz Kotacek was there. We spoke about what she saw in Selma, including the precautions taken to avoid the spread of COVID-19 and the people who showed up to pay their respects to John Lewis. So Sarah, you were in Selma for the John Lewis Memorial. Given we're in a pandemic right now, I assume that there were a lot of guidelines that people had to follow just in terms of mask wearing and other rules that might have been there Obviously, you want to honor John Lewis with this amazing public tribute that was paid to him, but you obviously want to stay safe. So what were some ways the memorial was handled in Selma, adhering to rules like that? Yeah, so Pastor Leotis Strong of Brown Chapel AME spoke to this uh, when he addressed the crowd when Lewis's casket was on the stage and family members and civil rights leaders were... Uh, getting up to speak about him. And he said that the church had not held any services for four months and had not been able to hold services for family members of congregants that had passed away. But the decision was made uh, by the AME church at the headquarter level to make an exception for John Lewis because uh, they felt so strongly that his death should be commemorated. Yeah, and just watching feeds on CNN and our own at AL.com, seeing photos. People seem to be wearing masks pretty largely throughout the crowd. And I just wonder whether it was at the bridge crossing or just as the casket was passing in various parts of the route, what was the concern level that you noticed about the virus? I mean, this seemed like a bigger event in a way where the virus might be secondary to people, but it seems the virus is so universal by now that it's just part of how we operate. What was the concern level you noticed from people in terms of the virus? Yeah, I would say almost everyone I spoke with was wearing a mask. Some people had them sort of lower on their face. It was extremely hot. Um, 
One woman said, you know, it's really hot, this is really uncomfortable, but when you think about what John Lewis suffered on the bridge, it's nothing. What, what's your name? Shalithia Williams, with an S. It's hot, but... <laughs> but I, I, when um, someone was saying a moment ago, you know, it's hot out here, I said, well, think of what he endured. I mean, we've seen the tape. We've seen how he was trampled and hit in the head and others like him. And then just to know that he's come so far and he got to this moment to see the protest, to see the Black Lives Matter movement get its steam. And I heard him on an interview uh, weeks before his death say, I think this is the time. And I do too. So um, I think that most people, probably the, the virus wasn't the first thing on their mind. And it's just, it's just good to be in the, in the midst, in the space that he is in at the same time as he takes his last trip across the bridge and to see uh, so many people, I mean, with the uh, law enforcement that stopped him before. Some of those same entities are represented today, and they may be saluting him. And it's unfortunate that he can't see it in the flesh, but to know that it's happening for us that are still here, to see it, it's, it's... can't find the words. Can't find the words. Now, in terms of the actual memorial and tribute on Sunday in Selma, people have a pretty decent grasp, I think, on the Edmund Pettus Bridge and the significance of his casket crossing it. But if you could, just as a refresher, what is the significance there for people who may not be as as in tune with the history of John Lewis in Alabama and Selma as it relates to the Edmund Pettus Bridge. In March of 1965, John Lewis was the head of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. And in that role, he organized with Martin Luther King this voting rights march from the Brown AME Chapel in Selma, Alabama to Montgomery with about 600 people. So after praying in the chapel, the, the group walked from the chapel around the corner, about four or five blocks to the Edmund Pettus Bridge. When they got to the bridge, uh, Lewis later said he was not, he was expecting to be arrested, perhaps. He did not see coming what happened, which was that state troopers attacked the protesters with clubs and tear gas and uh, beat them. And this was televised nationally and internationally and shocked people and proved to be a turning point in the civil rights movement uh, John Lewis himself, when he was on the ground, was struck in the head twice by a state trooper, and that fractured his skull. He said that he saw death on that day. As, about six months later, uh, Congress passed the Voting Rights Act. And in terms of the ceremony, can you just sort of describe what exactly happened? Where, where did this route start? Where did it end? What happened in between? Family members and uh, staff and other people important to John Lewis were driven over the Edmund Pettus Bridge in buses, and, and there were crowds lining the streets. It was barricaded off. And then following those buses was the chariot, uh, two horses with Lewis's casket in it, draped in an American flag. And, you know, there was silence as... The buses went by and people were waving, and then as the, as the chariot approached, people were, were quiet and then started to kind of murmur and 
speak out and, and yell out acknowledgments, and then there was cheering as you could see the casket being drawn onto the bridge. And then over the bridge, kind of away from view, uh, there was a moment of silence where the driver stopped and stood and took off his hat at the top of the bridge. Um, what's your name? Deborah Evans. Oh, where are you from? South Alabama. It was just hard touching just to see that he is the he's the one he's the last fighter for us how did it feel to watch the coffin tears literally came down my face it was moving it was almost like it was my father yeah and so for the people who came out there as we talked about earlier this is obviously a very uncertain and scary time with the pandemic But John Lewis is just such a larger-than-life and seminal figure in Alabama history, and his life and death have touched a lot of people, and it's understandable that people would want to come pay their respects. So among the people that you spoke to while you were out there in Selma, what did they tell you about why they came to pay tribute to him? A lot of people, I would say, all ages, all races, um, many probably in their 60s uh, from the area mostly, and um, they had you know, been influenced by Lewis and wanted to pay their respects. What's your name? Daisy Dixon. Six, I was six years old when this happened, when this man went across the Edmunds Pettus Bridge and he was beaten and he almost lost his life. And today, celebrating the legacy that he has set for us here, we are Selma that we should come out and just give honor to him, honor to a man who he, he showed no uh, no bias, he showed no uh, hatred. He only wanted the best, for not just for blacks, but for whites, brown skin, all of us. So I couldn't sit at home and watch it on television, which I was doing, then something say, just go. And I had to be here today just to witness this uh, this is amazing. This is historic. This is uh, a blessing from God. And I pray that it don't stop here, that people take note of it and just continue to do what he strived to do 55 years ago. Not just him, but all of the foot soldiers from back in that time and era. We're still here today. And because of this, because of this man and all the other foot soldiers, we, en- we are enjoying our freedom we're enjoying some of the things that they helped brought us through. So I thank them for it. What did you hear about him growing up? Oh, my. I heard he was the right-hand man of Martin Luther King. I heard he was um, an outspoken man. I heard he was a courageous man. I heard he was a person who did not waver in his thinking and in what he wanted to do or tried to do so. I just admired him from just sitting and listening. Never got a chance to meet him like so many other people have. But I only saw posters and saw books and I saw him on television. But just that connection on television and seeing him, it just made my heart grow fonder of him. So, You know, I, I met uh, Pastor Michael Jordan who drove down from Birmingham he had been at the Selma Jubilee with President Obama 
uh, five years before. Why did you make the trip down here today? Well, I made the trip down because John Lewis is one of the last civil rights icons. They are dying one by one, and his life was a sacrifice so I could live, enjoy, move into the same neighborhoods. It's sad that they had to endure such um, cruelty at the hands of hate, but time has changed. We have a black president now, we have a black congressman, and he was a congressman. So out of respect and love for him, his family, and his sacrifice, I came. What's your name? Brian Bostic from Gaston, Alabama. Okay. Um, you know, what does John Lewis mean to you? A lot. He was, he, he was a hard fighter for, uh, for voters' rights and uh, everything. From back when uh, I was a child, back when he come across the, uh, when he got beat. I wasn't that old, but I used to come to Selma over 20 years ago, 20, 30 years ago. I know. I, I see you're going to walk over the bridge. Is that like a, a symbolic act? It's just something my daughter said that, that I've never brought her to Selma before, so that was one of the things we wanted to come down here and do. My name is Jaden Bostic. How old are you? I'm 20. Why did you want to come here? Um, it's a his, I mean, it's his, it's history in the making. So, you know, it's always good to come out and see history. You know, it's different when you read about it in textbooks and you read about it, you know, in different books, but it's different when you're a part of it and you're able to see it. So, Sarah... It's been a long several months now since the whole pandemic started where so many people, most of us, have not been to any sort of like public gathering, especially an event like this, which is unusual in the sense that events like this haven't often occurred during the pandemic. What did you think was sort of like the most striking thing that you saw or that you noticed having gone to this in person? And I know that it's probably been a long time for you to be around this many people at one time in a public place for a public event. So what really stood out for you personally as you were watching all this? I have been doing a lot of reporting over the phone way more than than ever. And this was the largest event I've been to in, in months. So it was, it was, um, striking to me to speak to people. It was, you know, hard to hold the the microphone more than four feet apart and stand more than four feet apart from people. And I had to just kind of let that go and, and hope that being outdoors was, was keeping it safe. But it was, I guess it was just a transcendent moment for myself and others who wanted to be there because, I, I mean, there was just no way except to, you know, see everyone wearing masks and, and hope that uh, that was enough to to protect everybody. But, but yeah, I think it, it was kind of anomalous and it was a special moment in the pandemic uh, given all the precautions that many so many people are taking. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks to Sarah White's Kodachek, who co-produced this episode. If you or anyone you know is affected by coronavirus and want to share your story, please email bflanagan at al.com. That's B-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N at A-L dot com. For all of our coverage on the outbreak and how it continues to impact Alabama, visit AL.com slash coronavirus. 
If you like the show, please rate us and write a review. Thanks for listening.